Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. the worship this morning comes from the book of Psalm 105 verses 1 through 9 if you're so inclined to have grabbed that from your Bible right in front Psalm 105 verses 1 through 9 say this oh give thanks to the Lord call upon his name make known his deeds among the peoples sing to him sing praises to him speak of all his wonders glory in his holy name let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad seek the Lord and his strength Seek his face continually. Remember his wonders which he has done, his marvels and the judgment uttered by his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant. O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac be interesting to contemplate what if God were were good but but he was weak instead of powerful what if in fact he was beautiful to look at but really had no power at all to change things for us 
He might want to bless us, but be thoroughly unable to bless us. And Well, this would be sort of a God of good intentions, but it would be a little pathetic, right? That'd be kind of awful. Well, would any of us really go out of our way to fall down, fall on our faces to worship him? Would we even bother to worship him like Abraham did when God revealed himself as El Shaddai? Would we even bother to pray at all to such a God? Well, God revealed himself as El Shaddai, God Almighty, to Abram, and told him of the everlasting covenant that he was establishing with him and his descendants. Until the time of Moses, when another divine name was revealed, the patriarchs considered El Shaddai the covenant name of God, the one for whom nothing, nothing is impossible. Let's pray this morning. Father, as we pray with you in our very presence this morning, help us to know that we can do anything through the power that you can put within us, and that you'll always put challenges before us, Lord, but you'll never challenge us with something that we cannot handle. The burden that we carry at times, Lord, can seem overwhelming, weighing us down to where we're crawling and, and, and leaving scruffing marks in the ground because we're so heavily burdened. But, Lord, we can do all things through you because you give us the strength to do that. And as we remember the greatest gift that you could have possibly given to us, the gift of everlasting life through your Son, Jesus Christ, help us to appreciate that gift, Lord, and, and not take it for granted, not take it lightly. And as we worship together this morning, Lord, help us to understand perhaps a little better of what that gift could mean to each and every one of us here this morning. And we'll be sure to pray with an open heart and take the blessings that you've inspired for us to hear this morning. Be with us now and help us to uh, shine your light in all who see us. For it's in your name that we ask. Amen. Good morning. It's nice to see you all today. Um, you know, this place is busy, especially at Christmas time. For those of you that um, don't get an opportunity to come down here during the week, um, it's busy. We just had three days of Christmas applications, the last three. We have over what we had last year as far as um, applicants, 55% of them are new to the system, have not sought help from us in the last five years. We've been recording them five years in this system. Um, we are way over last year, and um, the need is great. One lady that sticks in my mind was her husband got laid off from a job, so he got another one. Wasn't at that long enough to get unemployment, got laid off from that one, got another one, and is down to one day a week at that one. But that's the kind of people that, that we're seeing is, I mean, it's not people that just don't work. It's the working poor, or, you know, people that are just struggling to make ends meet. One other thing that I wanted to share, the youth got to go to the nursing home Wednesday night. And most of them were in the dining area, and they played their horns. But I had two groups that went out. And so it was interesting to see the interaction with these little ones, with the adults in the nursing home. But what I wanted to share with you is one that was really so cute, because I walked in, and Selena was singing, Jesus Loves Me, to one of the ladies in the nursing home. And I don't know how many verses you did, but it was just really sweet to see how you know, we're teaching our kids to, to have that compassion and love for um, people that can't get out. Now we're going to sing Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the world is 
Eight days after the birth of Jesus, Joseph and Mary presented the boy for the covenant of circumcision, a writ that identified him as a genuine son of the covenant between God and Abraham. And as custom dictated, they made his name official, Yahshua Yahweh saves. Just as Yahweh is God's personal name revealed in the Old Testament, Jesus is a personal name of the one we call Redeemer, Lord, and Christ. His name is intimately linked to the God of the Hebrew Scriptures because the name Yahshua means Yahweh is salvation. Indeed, Jesus is Yahweh. Yahweh comes to earth. If you have ever pictured God as a distant, wrathful being, you will have to reconsider that portrait in light of Jesus Christ, who is God bending toward us, God becoming one of us, God reaching out in mercy, God humbling himself, God nailed to the cross, God raised, raising from the grave to show us the way home. Therefore God exalted him to the righteous place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
mighty God is an Old Testament title applied to the coming Messiah. It is the compound Hebrew term El Gibor, and both parts of the name need to be understood. The first part of the title is El. Isaiah 9-6 was predicting one who would be far more than a man. He is the one whom John wrote, The other part of the name is Gibor, which means strength, power, hero. The focus of Isaiah's prophecy is El Gibor, the mighty God who is our true hero. What this prophet in the 7th century BC anticipated, the New Testament confirms. Because the Messiah would be God, he would have God's power. But to Isaiah, the amazing thing was that the Messiah would not only have the power of God, he would be the God of power. In other parts of his prophecy, Isaiah gave more details of what this mighty power would look like. For instance, in a messianic section of his prophecy, Isaiah declared, Jesus used Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, to make his claim as the Messiah. But because he only partially fulfilled this prophecy in his first coming, he was only partially recognized. By his resurrection, perfect life, sacrificial death, and many mighty signs, he showed we could trust him to return one day to the rule the world. Most of his own people respected him. John wrote, these and thousands of other first century Jews believed, and for good reason, Jesus Christ proved himself to be El Gibor as he displayed his life-changing might and power. For those who see their need of a savior, the evidence of Christ's mighty power is overwhelming. For those who sense their own weakness and inability to live up to God's standard, the Apostle John wrote, Yes, to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What the New Testament provides is an opportunity to see the fullness of the mighty God Isaiah was predicting. The clear statement of the word of God is that Christ displayed his might in the creation of the world before he physically entered the world. John 1.3 says, Colossians 1.16 agree, of evidence that shows Christ to be the mighty God, it is important to remember that this is more than just theological data. 
It is divinely inspired evidence that urges us to see and respond to Christ as he is, our mighty God. In view of the predictive evidence of Isaiah and the historic record of the Gospels, how can we see our Lord Jesus Christ as anything less than the mighty God, El Gibor? El Gibor. El Gibor. El Last week we had Major Harula sitting over here. He'd been with Donna at the concert on Saturday night. And I should have known when Major Harula was here just before the band ensemble was going to go to Genesee Valley, there might be a problem. And there is. You see, when they were the Corps officers here, there was a new administration over there. And they decided that we should do things in a certain manner. 
And so well, we sent Major Harula over there to negotiate, and he negotiated from six down to four people. And we have to have at least eight to play our music and do all the things that we need to do in order to be a service to the community and to the Salvation Army, but to be a representative of our Lord and Savior. Well, no surprise when on Friday night, despite an agreement that was made between our people in the county command and the people who run the Whitey, a new group, of course, that uh, they were not very happy that we were in this place where the agreement had been set up. In fact, they moved the angel tree, which they call the giving tree, down to another area by Burlington Coat Factory, where there is very little traffic. And if you want to know the ins and outs of that, talk to Herb and Sandy McDougall. They'll tell you what's going on because they spent three hours down there and had very little success. And so we had started up our, the 10 of us that were playing and Jim Fearon and <clears throat> Rosalie Craven as the greeters. And we get a phone call from the manager. Our performance area is down by the Burlington Coat Factory. Oh, we're not here to perform, we're here for service. And before it's all said and done, she said, you either go to the Burlington Coat Factory because I have to go to a, a party. She said she had to go to the party three times. Or go home, so we went home. Now here's another connection though that uh, took place. Uh, that's not what we're there for, we're, we're there to be a service and we collect money to use for the Christmas effort. That's what we're there for. Well, going back to Major Harula, somehow it may have been the announcement that I made at the Whiting when Major Harula was our core officer that we had been eliminated from Whiting. Andrew Heller picked up the, the mantle and before it was all said and done, the whole thing went to the White House. Yes, Barbara Bush and George Bush first and well, I won't get into the details, but what's interesting is Captain John, unbeknownst to him, has an appointment with Andrew, Andrew Heller tomorrow morning. <laughs> Who knows what might come up on the... Well, moving ahead, we'll see how all that sorts out because it's in the Lord's hands and that's the most important part about it. Tonight, <clears throat> tonight, the band and songsters has the privilege of going to the Goodrich United Methodist Church, which is right on M15. If you go at 69 and come down uh, M15, you will have no problem finding it at 6 o'clock. It's a one-hour Christmas program put on by the band and songsters. And so we invite you all to come and enjoy that. And it's in a gym. So if kids or adults who would like to sit on the floor want to bring a blanket and sit on the floor, you've got all kinds of choices there. And we would be very happy. But one of the songs that's really important to what we're doing here is the one that's up on the screen right now and that's Mary's Boy Child.
James Kim was exhausted. James was the senior technology editor for CNET, which is an internet news site, and the fall of 2006 had been unusually busy. So as soon as he finished his review of the latest technology gadget, he packed up his family and headed for a Thanksgiving vacation in the Pacific Northwest. That was on November 18th, and James Kim, his wife Katie, and their two daughters left San Francisco and spent Thanksgiving with relatives in Seattle. They then went uh, on to Portland, Oregon to visit a friend there, and from there they started their journey back home. That evening, just before sunset, James called a hotel clerk to confirm uh, their reservations at a small inn. The innkeeper expected to see them sometime before midnight, but the Kim family never arrived. As would soon become apparent, they were lost in the mountains of Oregon, and no one knew where to find them. Now, for some of us, it's easy to get lost, isn't it? You can probably think of someone right now who can get lost going down to the corner gas station. Most of us know what it is to get lost. Sometime in our lives, we've found ourselves completely lost. But, you know, there are times in life when we become lost, not in the physical or geographic sense, but uh, sometimes we get lost spiritually. And, and we need someone who can find us and who can rescue us. What we desperately need is someone to save us. This Advent season, we are considering the names of Jesus as recorded in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says there, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Last week we discovered that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Today we will look at Christ as our mighty God who is able to find us, to rescue us, and to save us. Luke tells us that this was Jesus' mission. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So this morning, let's look at Jesus as mighty God. And first, let's consider that Jesus is mighty because he knows where you are. James Kim, the man who was traveling through Oregon with his family, had no idea where he was. He had intended to take a state highway over to the coast, but he missed the turnoff. And so he decided to take a mountain road instead. The map showed it as a main road. But there was a problem because this road was lightly traveled, even in the summer. And in the winter, it was usually closed off. In addition, it was dark now, and it had started to snow. And to make matters worse, James mistakenly turned off onto a logging road when the road split that logging road was rarely traveled and was usually closed off with a gate and locked, but vandals had stolen the lock and the gate was open. 
Soon they were winding their way up into the mountains, hopelessly lost. After many miles of dangerous travel, their car then got stuck in the snow. James kept the car running so that they would have heat, but later that night, the gas ran out. They stayed in the car and they, they waited for someone to come and rescue them. One day went by, and then two days went by, and then three. Finally, they, they took the tires off the car and burned them for heat. And they ate what little food they had brought along, mostly baby food, and they waited. Of course, when they didn't return home as scheduled, their family notified authorities and the search began. All they knew was that the Kim family was lost somewhere between Seattle and San Francisco. They figured probably in the mountains of Oregon, though. But the searchers had no idea what road to look on. Over 100 rescue workers searched for them using snowmobiles and helicopters. They even had a satellite that was going by take images. Like I said, sometimes we become lost in life. But I want you to know this morning that our mighty God knows what roads we've traveled. He knows what wrong turns we've taken. He knows what dead-end streets we've already gone down. Jesus knows right where you are today, right now. He doesn't need a search party or a satellite. He knows your spiritual condition because he is the mighty God. In fact, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves and here's the amazing thing. Knowing all of this about us, knowing every detail of our lives, he still loves us. He still seeks us. But here's our problem. It's, it's the same problem that um, James Kim had. Too often, we don't really know where we are. We get so confused sometimes so disoriented, so turned around by the, the different paths we've taken in life. And we don't even know our way back anymore. We don't even remember where we started. Remember the story of Adam and Eve? They ate the forbidden fruit and, and God came to the garden and called out, Adam, where are you? Do you really think that God needed Adam to give him some GPS coordinates? course not. God knew right where Adam was. But I don't think Adam really knew where he was. Sure, Adam knew he had blown it. That's why he was hiding. But he had no idea how badly he had blown it. Adam needed to be rescued. But a part of reaching safety is knowing where you are and what you need to be rescued from. A part of reaching safety is first knowing that you're lost. That you've made some bad turns, some bad decisions. I wonder this morning, where are you? Where are you? Do you know? Do you need to be rescued? Jesus knows right where you are. He is our mighty God. 
But let me tell you, he not only knows right where you are, he also knows how much time you have left. James Kim had no idea how long they might be stranded. He didn't know how much time his family had left before it was too late. He just knew that things were getting desperate. They now had been living in their car in the wilderness without food for seven days. And James wondered how much longer they could possibly hold out. What they needed was to be rescued, and they needed it soon. So on the seventh day, James decided that he could wait no longer, and he set out on foot to look for help. You know, when you think about it, we're in a similar state. We live in a lost world, and we're doomed to die in our sins. We need to be rescued. On top of this, None of us really know how much time we have left on this earth. Only God knows that. Time is of the essence, and action is critical if we are to be saved. Some people, realizing the dilemma, realizing their need, they try to fix it on their own. They create their own religion. They put together whatever beliefs they seem to like and they package them together into their little belief system and they hope that that will save them, that God will be pleased with what they've assembled. But I want you to know, unless we allow our mighty God to rescue us, we are heading for certain disaster. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment now this verse doesn't tell us how long we're going to live, but it does tell us what happens after we die. Judgment. Yet how many of us give more attention to trying to extend our physical lives? Watch on TV uh, all these ads for ways to increase the length of your life. It's not a bad thing to take care of our bodies and to do things that promote good health. But in the end, each of us are going to lose that battle and die and face judgment. Shouldn't we be even more concerned then about our spiritual health? Because that day of judgment will determine whether we live forever in heaven or in hell. Only our mighty God knows how much time we have left. So, Time is of the essence. Let's make the best use of every moment. So let me review here. Jesus is our mighty God because he knows where you are. He knows how much time you have left. And he also knows that only he can save you. James Kim waited seven days for someone to save them. After seven days, he decided he would take things into his own hands and save himself and his family. So he set out into the Oregon wilderness to find help. He wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to be rescued, and he thought that he could save himself. Let me ask you, have you tried, or maybe are you trying now to save yourself, to rescue yourself, to pull yourself up spiritually by your own bootstraps? Are you hoping that by being good enough, you'll gain God's favor? 
It's good to try to live right, to do the right thing. We believe in holiness. But when it comes to being lost in the wilderness of sin, we need a mighty God who can save us because we can't save ourselves. We have nothing. We have nothing to offer God to pay for our sins. Well, two days after James left the car to save himself and his family, a, a rescuer in a helicopter flying over spotted his footprints in the snow. And the searchers converged on that area and they found the car. James' wife and daughters were rescued after spending nine days lost in the mountains. They were taken to a local hospital and were found to be in pretty good health. When it comes to us being saved, we really are at the mercy of someone else. Look at what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says in the message paraphrase. This, this is about the idea that we can save ourselves. It says there, saving is all his, God's idea, and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. So don't play, we don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we had done the whole thing. Folks, I want you to know God knows your effort. He knows how hard you've tried to be good. But our efforts are vain because only he can save us. Only he can rescue us from sin. It doesn't matter how good our intentions are. We still need a savior. We still need a mighty God who can save us. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. But here is a very important part. Your rescuer will not come unless you call on him. He won't rescue you against your will. As Romans 10.13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's the sad fact. Not everyone who is lost gets found. Rescuers followed James Kim's trail for two days. They used infrared cameras to search for him at night. James made a valiant effort to save his family and to save himself. He gave it his best shot. But two days later, they found his body in a creek bed. He had traveled eight miles and had come within the, a mile of a lodge where he could have found shelter, but he, he never made it. He didn't even know it was there. For reasons unknown, James left the road and tried to find his own way through the rugged wilderness. He gave it his best effort, and he died in the process. James Kim tried to do the right thing. He not only wanted to save himself, he also wanted to save his wife and his two daughters. But his best efforts failed. His wife and daughters were saved, not by his efforts, but by the efforts of his rescuers. His efforts fell short, even though he gave it his all. One rescue leader called his efforts superhuman because of 
how rugged the terrain was. They couldn't believe he had got that far. But even that didn't save his family. Here's what I want you to remember this morning. Don't make the same mistake with your life, your eternal life. James' death was a tragedy, but it was also unnecessary. If he would have followed the right road, the road he was on, their car was stuck less than a mile from a lodge. In Matthew 7, 13 through 14, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Our mighty God is the way. Jesus came to earth to, to show us the path to God. In fact, he is the path. Thankfully, even though James Kim lost his physical life, he could have called on the name of Jesus before he died, and he could have been saved spiritually, and I, I hope and pray that he did. As the scriptures say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how about you? Have you called out to God for help? Have you called out to him for rescue? Have you taken a lot of twists and turns in life and maybe you'd started out on the right path and, and you're not on that path anymore and you don't even know how you got there, how to get back? Jesus is our mighty God. He came on Christmas Day to rescue us from the power of sin. He has the power to seek and to save those who are lost. So where are you? Are you lost? Have you taken a wrong turn? Call on him today. Call on him. He will come. He will find you. He will save you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning that you know everything there is to know about us. You know our past. You even know the thoughts of our heart at this moment. You know where we're at in our walk with you. You know where we're heading. And Lord, we just confess this morning, we're kind of ignorant. We, we know what we've done in the past. Sometimes we don't really understand it in context. We have some idea of where we're at now, but Lord, some of us perhaps not a very good idea. And Lord, we know nothing about the future. So God, we come to you as needy people, needing a mighty God who can chart a course through us through life, who can take us to the destination that you intend for us. God, it's so easy to get lost. It's so easy to get mixed up by this world, by the signals and the signs and the misdirections that this world gives us. And I pray this morning, if anyone here has steered off the path unwittingly or wittingly, that, Lord, they'll realize their condition and call out to you. They won't try to save themselves. Instead, call on you, our mighty God, 
because, Lord, we know you're able to find us, to rescue us, and to save us. So, God, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here today who has need of a, of a mighty God, El Shaddai, that, Lord, today you would speak and call, and, Lord, we would respond and reach out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing the song, He is Able. And uh, He is able to do exactly what needs to be done in your life today. I don't know what that is. But um, you, you maybe have an idea, and He certainly knows. So just ask Him uh, what it is you need to do. Open yourself up. Ask Him to find you. And he will come. If you'd like to come and pray, this place of prayer is available. Brothers and sisters in Christ would love to come and pray with you. Let's sing that song. able to make you into the person he wants you to be. Sometimes we limit ourselves because we can't see how God could possibly use someone like us, all the things we've done wrong and all the screw-ups we've had, that he could possibly take us and make us into the person he wants us to be. But he's a mighty God. He can do that. He can take even the mistakes you've made. and Yeah, you've lost some time. You've lost maybe some of the things you could have done, but he still has a wonderful plan for your life. But you have to be found. You have to ask him to come and find you and put you on that right path. So this morning, he's able, but he won't do it against your will. So seek him this morning. Let's sing that chorus again.
Please remain standing for the benediction. Almighty God, you possess all power, all authority, and all knowledge. Nothing is impossible for you, and yet you choose to work through your people. Help me to know you as my all-powerful God, the one who is able to sustain and bless me, to fulfill every promise you make. Increase my awe of you and of your power so that I may follow you faithfully, always believing you are enough for me. What greater honor could there be in life than to be used by you for your good pleasure? Lord, set me apart for your noble purposes. Help me to live in a way that is pleasing to you. I want my life and not merely my lips to offer the worship of which you alone are worthy. Amen. Now we'll sing. For a benediction song, we're going to sing, uh, O Come Let Us Adore Him. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Gersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.